On this episode of the After the Timeout podcast, in partnership with the IBCA, we welcome Angelica Shomilo, head women's basketball coach at Iona University. We talk to Coach Shomilo about taking over a new program as a head coach, leaving a current program, being one of the leaders in the nation in defense, her defensive principles, guarding baseline out-of-bounds plays, and more. As always, thank you for listening to the After the Timeout podcast. So we like to start every episode with the opening tip of kind of a two-part question. Um, so, you know, tell us a little bit about your coaching journey. Obviously you had a big change here and you're, you you know, you've been different places, but just give our listeners a background on kind of where you've been, how you've gotten to this point, um, you know, how you've developed as a coach, and then we'll kind of go into the second part. Yes. Yeah, so a little bit of a different, you know, journey for me. I mean, it, it's, it's all the same journey, but um been doing this for 20 years now when I break it down like this it makes me feel very very old um even though I don't feel old it makes me feel old um started off part-time after I graduated I graduated from LIU Brooklyn um I actually ended up playing lacrosse in my fifth year they had just um added a women's lacrosse program they needed some buddies um, they asked me, I said, why not? Um, why not delay my adulthood? Um, actually, lacrosse has a lot of a lot of similarities, a lot of similar concepts with basketball. So that was a great experience. But the reason why I mentioned that is, so I played for Tony Bozella, who's now at Seton Hall. And my senior year when I was done, he left to take um, over. Actually, he went to move on to Iona University. Um, Stephanie Gately was hired at LIU. So that her first year and my that year when I was playing lacrosse, um, back then rules were different. I was doing a little bit of everything. I was literally come to lacrosse practices, come to basketball practices, play against the girls, um, play pickup against the, the coaching staff. So that's how I got to co. That's how I got to know Stephanie Yeatley in that first year. So fast forward a year later, um, thought my you know basketball career was over. Um, I had a full-time job um, opportunity with full-time benefits and around the same time, this is like August, Coach Gately calls me up and invites me to dinner and we're talking and she said, listen, um, I have a position open. It's a third position. It's a part-time, uh, um, $10,000, uh, but it's part-time and I would, I love your passion for the game. You've you know, you've just been so um, devoted to, to, the, to the game. You come to practices you know, everyone tells me how much, you know, how, you know, how much you love the game. And I just want you to be a part of it. Now, back then, you have to understand that I was a mute. I was very still, you know, you detect my accent. I, I, I'm from Poland originally. So at that time, I was in the States for about, you know, going to my fifth year. I was a mute. I was still very, now you can't shut me up. So, um, and I'm thinking, wow, she wants me to be a coach. And like, you know, so that was really the first time that somebody saw something in me that maybe at that time I didn't even think I could just because of my, you know, circumstances. Um, so at that time I had just gotten married because my husband and I, we were actually going to be celebrating our 20th year um, wedding anniversary in August. Uh, we pretty much got married, you know, after college. Um, I asked him and I said, what should I do? you know, I have this full-time job at this consulting company, nine to five. I wasn't really crazy about, 
nine to five full benefits, you know, but it's a job or do I try to do something that I, I know I'm going to love, but it's part-time it's $10,000 a year. And he just said, just follow your heart, you know, and 20 years later, I'm, I'm here talking to you guys. But um, that first year, I remember we, you know, LIU Brooklyn obviously is in Brooklyn and, and we lived in New Jersey. So I would commute over, you know, the Holland Tunnel every single day. So we joked that like pretty much my salary went to the tolls um, and the gas. But, you know, it, it just haven't looked back since. So I was with her for five years at LIU. Um, then we moved on to Mammoth University. We were there for um, three years. Um, in my last year at Mammoth University, I was named the associate head coach. Um, and then she, still all under Stephanie Gately. Um, she moved on to take a head coaching job at Fordham University, and I was an associate head coach there for eight years. Um, and then four years ago, um, the head coaching job um uh, position became open at Fairleigh Dickinson University and obviously haven't played in the same league at that time Mamet University was still in the NEC um, I was very very much familiar you know with the conference um, really grateful that I had the opportunity to stay in the metropolitan area so I was very much familiar with um, everything uh, when it came to this school didn't have to move um, for eight years, I had we lived. We always lived in New Jersey for a year. For eight years um, at Fordham, commuted over the GW Bridge every single day. Um, so now at FDU, didn't really have to do that. Didn't have to move. Moved me closer to 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 school. Um, you know, so so I I was at FDU for four years, and then a couple of weeks ago, the Iona Iona women's head coaching job became open, and um, you know it it. it here I am now. So I'm back to commuting over the GW Bridge. Um, but that's that's really my journey. So I've always kind of stayed in in the Northeast area in, in this area. Don't have to move again. So which is a big plus. But I don't know how that happened. So I know it doesn't happen often. So I feel very grateful. I just found an interesting twist that I didn't see during the research until you just started talking about it before Todd does the second part. Did Stephanie Gately, who you worked for, then just take over for you at FDU? Yes, she did. Yes, she did. I just yes. thought that was an interesting twist. That is, so, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, so second part then, tell us about, you know, I, Iona, what, what your plans are, what drew you to them, kind of what, what the program's going to be all about, right? Because obviously you're just starting to, to kind of develop that and, and do your, do your own thing there. So give us a little background on Iona women's basketball. Yeah. So obviously, you know, um, the, they just came off a tremendous, tremendous season, you know, having won 26 games and, and Billy Chambers who's moved on to um, Xavier university and her staff have, have done a tremendous job, especially this year. I mean, 26, you know, wins regular season champions, tournament champions, when the NCAA tournament. So, uh, you know, it's a program that, um, you know, wants to win. And I think they've done a great job. And I think my job coming in now is to, you know, make sure that it's not a one-year thing, right? Like winning is not easy, uh, but I just want to make sure that it's not a one-year thing. So I'm hoping to really take what we have built um, at FDU as far as the mentality and, and just kind of the everyday approach that we have um, just take it over to Iona and I, it's a beautiful school. Um, I love its location. You know, it's in the suburbs of New York city. It's about 20 miles outside of, you know, Manhattan. 
um, you really have the best of both worlds. So you have a beautiful campus. It's a it's not a big campus, but it's not a small campus. It has a very just when I came on campus, I just felt immediately, um, I felt immediately just the family type of atmosphere. You know, everyone made me feel so welcome. Not just the people that I met um, when I came there. It was just you know somebody from the dining hall, a, a faculty member, a student. Um, it just felt like home. I had heard a lot of great things about Iona University in my 20 years of coaching. Um, had some people, coaches that I that I, you know, that I know that coach there. Um, so I just heard nothing but great things. So obviously when this job became open and there was interest in, in me, um I, I knew that that was something, you know, that I wanted to go for. Um I love the fact that it's so close to the city and it's not in the city. So I think from a recruiting standpoint, it's an easy sell. Um, you really have the best of both worlds. So interesting. Add another follow up here. So you know, you mentioned that Iona was a really successful program. Um, you know, so how do you find that balance of, you know, they did a lot of things well last year and, and kind of intermixing your ideas and and your thoughts, you know, to 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 get it kind to kind of right. Find the best best of both best of both worlds and not completely just changing everything that's been going on. Yeah, so I think it's really important to communicate a message of, you, you know, just because we're going to be teaching certain things a certain way or, you know, our defensive concepts or offensive concepts might be very different from what those returning players have experienced, right? But I think it's important to communicate the message of, hey, it doesn't mean that what you did was wrong, right? I, I think it just means that there's a lot of different ways to win basketball games, right? There's a lot of a lot of great coaches, a lot of winning programs, successful programs that do things dif different way. So um, I think the communication piece is very important and just making them understand that, um, hey, this is kind of how we're teaching it. But then also, you know, as a coach, you always evolve and you always, you know, try to steal ideas and 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 kind of take on things that you think can better your program, right? So just because something worked at FDU, you know, doesn't mean that that very same thing is going to have to work at Iona because a lot, a lot of it depends on personnel. A lot of it depends on, like every year you have a different team that you coach. So you have to adjust to it as a coach, I think, you know? Um, like I tell my teams all the time, this is your guys' year. Like I'm going to, as a coach, if I'm blessed enough, I'm going to coach a lot more teams. This is this year's team is the only team you're going to have. Next year is going to be different. Last year was different, you know? So I think you have to adjust to that. So the next next couple of questions, you know, Todd and I really wanted to make them specific to you um, and, and kind of, you know, we have a lot of college and high school uh, coaches that listen to our show and you know, something that I found interesting was, you know, when you're going through the the job search as an assistant coach and you're looking for that that first head coaching job, I think it's one thing. But when you're a, a current head coach that's been somewhere for a while and, you know, you're looking at, you know, maybe a possible other job, how do you go for you? How do you go about really deciding, is this the right fit? You know, is this a job I want to leave my current job for, which I, I love my current job? Um, you know, maybe what are the factors that go into it for you in the, in that process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so 
I have a family. I have two, you know, two boys and and my so it, it's definitely it's not as easy of a decision, right? Um at FDU, um love my administration. I mean, the people that we that you know we work with, um, our team, administration, uh, amazing people, you know, and I'm a I'm a big people's person. Um, I'm about the fit. I'm not a, I'm not somebody that's looking to just advance, 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 advance because you know how it is. I mean, you can you could get the highest, you know, the best job out there and it might it might not be the best thing for you, you know. So that part was very important to me. Um I've had opportunities, you know, I have an agent, so obviously my agent, I, I think my agent's job is to, you know, to to find those opportunities, uh, but also just you know, him knowing who I am as a person too. So I mean, there were a lot of situations where he would ask me, hey, would you be interested in this? And for me, it was just kind of like, no, this is too far. Uh, this is, you know, this is not the type of a, you know, I'm not that type of a coach or I don't think I would fit, uh, whether it's geographically or, um, you know, uh, just some other, just some other things. But um, it's definitely about the fit. Um, there were some schools that, um, I was approached about and I said I wasn't interested. And, and again, like, I just feel so grateful to even be in that position, you know, um, it's mind blowing to even be in that position. But, um, I mean, not saying that, you know, that would result in a, in a job offer, but I just immediately said, no, thank you. Um, so it has to be something that, you know, you will feel good about. And like I mentioned earlier, um, when I own a, became an you know an option um I just knew so much about that school I heard nothing but great things about administration um and when I came on campus and met you know those people in person it really just solidified that this could be a place for me um at the same time it was very hard to leave FDU because like I said when you're surrounded by good people people that support you my you know athletic director Brad He's just an amazing, he's an amazing leader, but also amazing human being. And he's really helped me grow as a coach in those four years when I was there. Um, you don't want to leave something that's good. That's, that's, that's hard, you know, because then it's kind of like when we're talking about, you know, when players are transferring, right. They know they have a good place, but they're willing to take that risk. I think for a coach, for a head coach, you know, you have to take that into account too, you know, because, we all know, I mean, being a college coach is not a stable job um, because your job at the end depends on the, you know, on 18 to 22 year olds and, and and how you lead them. And it could become a very good job or it could become, you know, you could lose your job at any time. It's a big decision. Uh, so I wanted to kind of transition into having those conversations when, when you leave and then when you you come in. Uh, you know, obviously, when you leave, you have built up relationships with, like you said, administration, uh, your players, your staff, you know, probably, you know, parents that have been there, you know, for five, four or five years. Um, so, you know, how did you go about handling those conversations when when you left FDU? And then the conversation when you kind of talked to your players at Iona? And then uh, I'll go to the second part after you finish that. Um. I think transparency and 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 communication with your administrators, you know, with your athletic director is very important. Um, so right away, 
um, when I was approached about this opportunity, I, I let my athletic director know that, um, you know, I'm going to take the call. I think I just believe in transparency. I believe in communication. The worst thing you can do is, you know, to hide that fact and then they're going to find out anyway. Right. So right away, just being able to communicate that um, it, 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 it just it's being able to communicate that. Um, and then you said about the team at Iona or at FDU? Uh, yeah, I mean, just like so now you come into Iona and, you, you know, you're having those that conversation for the first time with with your players, you know, what what kind of message you're trying to get across what are you trying to communicate them about you right mm -hmm. so they can yeah. start start to get to know you obviously that's a long process but to kind of I guess you know in this day and age ease, ease their mind a little bit right because yes. you see it all the time a new coach comes in and then well now we're going to do something different or you know what I mean like yes just no, to kind of give them an idea of I understand hey, this is who I am and and yeah. this is kind of where okay. we're going with the program now that I'm now that I'm the mm -hmm. head coach yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't want that first first meeting. It was kind of like an the, the first meeting that I had. It was kind of like an introductory meeting. You don't want it to be too long, but lots of energy. I'm not somebody that's just comes in and just gonna scare players off. Um, you know, just I just don't do that. You know, um, I just don't do that. So really, get to you know, kind of give, give them an opportunity to get to know me. And and we had two assistant coaches that were with me and and get to know us a little bit. We talked briefly about really, you know, what we were going to be about, nothing about box basketball X's and O's, just, you know, and my thing is just really, <laughs> one, be a good human being, you know, be respectful and, and just work really, really hard. And we just really talked about that. You know, I'm a high energy person. We talked about that. I told them, you're probably going to think that I'm a crazy person when you first, uh, you know, when I first start telling you, um, you know, telling you things and, you know, our practices are high energy. If our if our gym is quiet, I don't like it. It needs to be loud. Um, it's just developing that com camaraderie, the power of touch. I really do believe in that. I believe in you know positive reinforcement and anytime we can acknowledge each other in a positive way, um, we want to do that because then that's contagious. And we all know when we're in that environment on a daily basis, we feel good about ourselves, right? So we really talked about that stuff. We didn't really talk about... Um, Anything other than that, um, first week that I had with them, uh, I met with every single one of them individually, and we just it was just kind of like a get to know me session. You know, I asked them some questions about themselves and where they're from and their family situation and and things like that, and and I kind of you know talked to them um, about myself. I mean, I'm an open book, so um, my sons have already been on campus. My, my eight year old have already, you know, we had a recruiting, recruiting visit, unofficial visit. And he's like, I want to stay. I want to get a tour. So he went around with us. Um, so I'm kind of like an open book. So really, I just want to get to know them. That's my biggest priority right now is to get to know each player from an individual standpoint. And then also them to get to know me. Right. I think, um, like just you know you know I think you just have to develop that um relationship you know and that foundation of any successful program is one communication to a strong relationship because they if I'm gonna challenge them to give me their best or if I want to get them to reach their full potential they have to know who I am not just as a coach as a person they have to know I mean I have an accent I'm um they're probably gonna it's gonna probably get 
you know, they're probably going to have to get used to the things that I say um, and vice versa. Right. So I think the quicker we get to know each other off the court, that has nothing to do with basketball, you know, the, then the quicker we will adjust on the basketball court. And it goes both ways. You know, every player is different. Um, I'm very different from you and you. Right. Every player is different. So I think that is so critical right now. And especially during the summer when they come back for summer sessions. So that's what we talked about. So uh, the second second part of the question, sorry, is uh, kind of a combination of the, the previous question and this question. So I guess what advice would you have for, for a college or high school coach? You know, like you said, there's lots of reasons, right? Maybe they're looking for a new challenge, right? Uh, maybe you're looking for a, a better fit for their family or themselves or whatever. So what advice would you give to, to coaches kind of looking to, to move on somewhere and kind of how to handle it? And you, you mentioned transparency, but maybe some other things that, you know, when they're going through the process to kind of focus on to, to make sure it, it's the right thing and do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Well, one, I think you have to prioritize things that are important, you know, and um, one it really depends or uh, also on where you are at the current place, you know, like what your position is there and how, you know, where you are, how stable you are, what your relationship is there. And then prioritize, prioritize, you know, what are the things that are important to you? Um, you know, it's, it's not an easy decision. I, I know sometimes, you know, um, a lot of people think that it, it is an easy decision to just up and move. It is not. I mean, I have family, you know, I, I mean, I'm very fortunate that, you know, we don't have to move. Uh, my commute is longer, but that's fine. We don't have to move. I'm still home every single day. Um, so it, it is a family decision. Um, and also like, what are your goals, right? What are your goals? Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Where do you see yourself 20 years from now, five, 10, 15 years from now, and then just make it from there. Um, but it has to be a well thought out decision, especially if you're, you know, it's hard when you're in a good situation. And I was in a very good situation at FDU. Um, I had the support of administration um, of the university and, and that part really made it difficult as much as something, some people might think, oh, it was an easy decision. Even my athletic director said, and you have to look at this job. Um, but it's not because it just depends where you are and what your priorities are. For me, it's about a fit for me it's about am I going into a good place where I feel like I can be successful and it's not a you know obviously don't get me wrong I love to win I don't like to lose I've been very fortunate as a player as a coach been part of programs and we've won a lot and and I'm a very competitive person um but winning to me is a byproduct of everything else that we we do and I'm really strong believer of you know when you love where you are, when you love the people that you do it with every single day, you're going to be successful, right? Over time, when you feel comfortable, when you feel the support versus, you know, am I going to a new place where, you know, I don't know if that support is going to be there or do they just care about winning at all costs? And if you don't win, if you don't see it as a process, are you going to be out of the job in four years or three years? Are they going to, you know what I mean? So that's the part that I think everyone has to take a look at. You know, I look at it from, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. I look at it from, can you guys see me? Yes, you're all good. Yes. I'm sorry. Um, somebody just called me and um, I look at it from a perspective of, 
you know, when you go to a five-star hotel, right? You, excuse me. Sorry, guys. When you go to the five-star hotel, right? It has all the bells and whistles. It has everything, you know, you want when you go on vacation. But then you go there and, and um, you know, people there are just not very nice. Are you going to come back to that hotel? No, you're probably going to go somewhere else, right? So people are very important as well. So I wanted to hit on one quick thing because I'm sure this is going to be a great learning experience for our listeners. And and it was that conversation I'm sure you had to have with your FDU team before you left. Um, and I'm sure that was not an easy conversation. So I guess maybe take us through, you know, what, what was kind of your goal in that conversation? Was it maybe a, a quicker cut and dry conversation? Was it a longer conversation? Take us through that. It was a tough conversation. It was, um, I gotta tell you, I didn't sleep the night before um, because I just love that team. You know, the, the returning players that we had, they're just amazing, amazing human beings. Um, so it was a tough conversation. There were some tears. I promised, my, I, I told myself I wasn't gonna cry. And then it just, I just looked at them and, you know, um, and I just started crying. So there were some tears. It was tough, but I think, I think they get it. I think they they know that this is you know, um, I'm not leaving them because I just I'm just leaving them. Um, you know, it's just like when your players leave. You know, um, they want at the end of the day you have to do what's you know what's in your best interest as far as you know for your family and whatnot. Um, it was tough. I I got a you know somebody at the end said, hey, let's take one final picture, and I have that picture, and I'm in that picture literally. In, in my tears and I'm like that was not a good idea to take a picture of me crying it was tough but um yeah it was it was tough um okay so let's let's transition now a little bit um into your you know you what you want to establish and kind of you know maybe key pillars that are important to you um that you want to establish now that you're at Iona mm -hmm. um it's really just being the best that you can be, you know, not just on the basketball court, that's really secondary. Uh, be the best that you can be in the classroom, um, on the court, and then just be role models in the community. So these are the th three main things that we're going to be talking about. And and uh, four years ago, I kind of established this, um, I called it winner approach. And, and we've really kind of lived by it, not just talking about it, but we really try to live through it. Um, you know, on, on the court, in the classroom, as people, you know, as students, as as friends, as siblings, and, and what's winner approach? I mean, you know, for us, you know, it's the work ethic, right? It's the willingness to outwork and outlearn out everybody. Um, kind of a big believer that, you know, you, I'm sure you guys have heard that saying, <laughs> everyone talks about it, hard work beats talent, when talent doesn't work hard. And I just think that that's something that's in our control. We can always work really, really hard and that we can control. Um, the results are different, right? Because everyone is at the different, you know, everyone's best is different. Um, but I just think that if we don't have the I'm going to outwork you mentality as a student or if you, you know, to, the willingness to prepare yourself to the best of your abilities as a student, you know, as a player, then is it really going to bother us if we lose a game, right? Or are we really going to be, you know, upset when we, you know, okay with 
you know, losing, right? Or winning. Um, so it's really about just being the best that you can be and always having that I'm going to outwork you mentality. Um in a drill, in a shooting drill, in one-on-one drill, um, in a game, you know, in five-on-five competitive drills that we do, um, in a sprint, right? Everything that we do in practice is, you know, is competitive. So um if I, if you and I are going, you know, are going against each other, and I know I gave it my best, and you just beat me, then I'm okay with that. Because on a day, if I have that mentality, that I'm going to outwork you every single day. On a day when when you don't go hard, I'm going to beat you, right? Same thing. If if I'm going to do everything that I can to prepare for a test, I'm going to go. I'm going to go into that class feeling very confident about my ability to ace that test or whatever it is, because I know I had done everything I possibly could, you know, to prepare, right? And if I get stumped on something, I know that it, it wasn't because of my lack of effort or because of my lack of preparation. So that part is very, very important. Um, inspiration, I, I, I think it's our job, you know, to our job as coaches and our job as, you know, as, as teammates as well and as people to be in a position to, inspire others to do better you know my job as coaches as a coach is to inspire my teammates my assistant coaches and everyone you know my family members my sons right to kind of encourage them to to do better and to chase their dreams and and to you know push through the hard times not just the the the, the you know the good times but the tough times um so i think the inspiration you know part of it is very important you know at the end of practice you know, if I can look to my right, to my left as a player or, you know, as a teammate, have I, have I in through my actions, right? Through, through my, you know, through my actions, through my, through my thoughts and through my habits, have I made my teammate better, right? That part is important. And also just giving back in the community, you know, um, we don't know the effect that we have on people that we encounter every day, you know, even just a simple smile, simple, thank you, simple opening the door, simple, you know, simple conversation that we have with somebody that we don't really, you know, see on an everyday basis. You don't know the impact that we may have on that person, right? So to be kind of like that inspiration without even knowing on an everyday basis, we talk about that with our team all the time. Um, nonstop communication. I mean, communication is huge in, in any successful program, right? Or company. Um, the more you communicate, the more on the same page you are. Um, nonverbal communication is huge too. I mean, it, it, it just, the body language is huge. So we talk about that all the time. Um, no excuse mentality. I'm a big believer of, uh, just self-accountability. You know, I think, um, excuses are nails used to live, used to build a house of failure, right? The more excuses we have, the bigger the house of failure. So, um, very big on, uh, just not having excuses, you know, um, we just, we lost in the championship game, you know, and, and at FDU, the, one of our last, you know, we lost to sacred heart. And to this day, I, I, you know, I, I really do believe this is the only team in a conference that we lost three times um everybody else we've we pretty much we, we we've beaten and to this day I'm 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 kind of trying to take notes mental notes uh you know physical notes of like okay this one is on me there's you know I have to take accountability what I you know what I could have done prior to that championship game during the game 
you know, certain points of the game. So I think the self accountability is huge um, and important. Effort and energy is another one that's a huge one in our program. I think these are the, just the two things that we have that are in our control. You know, I can control the effort that I'm giving you every single day. You know, I can control that. It's my choice. I can control the energy that I'm giving to my team every single day. I can control how I say, good morning, hello, how are you? I can control, you know, uh, that I come, when I come into the gym, despite of what's happening at home, you know, it's my decision to not bring what I, you know, what is happening at home onto the court. So um, effort and energy are huge um, in our program. Um, and we'll talk about it all the time. We talk about it every single day, every single day. Um, and then respect, you know, respect others. How do you want to, how do you want to be treated? You know, but I think it starts with respect yourself. I think when you respect yourself, you stand taller when you respect others, you know, others resp respond in kindness. Uh, that part is huge too. I mean, we have a lot of international players on our team and, and, and I have a different background than most of the division one, division two, II, division three high school coaches, you know? Um, so it, it, that part is huge too, but we talk about those things, you know, we not just talk about it. We try to live those things and we do a lot of different exercises that have nothing to do with actual basketball um, to kind of live out that winner approach, um, you know, be a good sibling, be a good daughter. You know, uh, we ask our players, you know, on an everyday basis, hey, I want you guys this week to um, reach out to people that you haven't reached out before, you know. Um, or for a while, maybe it's your aunt that you don't really talk to on a regular basis. I want you to reach out to her, call her, you know, not just call her, maybe even FaceTime her and just see how she's doing. You know, maybe there is a friend that you haven't talked to for a while, reach out to them and see how they're doing. Um, these are just like some of the things that, you know, we, we kind of talk to our team about, um, everything else really, I mean, the basketball part of it, the X's and O's, I mean, you know, that happens because we get to practice with them, but it's really about the the life lessons that we try to teach them. You know, mention the effort and attitude, for example, you know, it's just um, when you have a job, right? You, you leave Iona and, and you apply for a job or you have a job and then you're up for a promotion. What's going to separate you, you know, from another person that is as good as you? You know, are you somebody that has a lot of excuses when things don't go your way at work? Or are you somebody that, you know, is self-accountable and just said, I got it, this will never happen again. And then we'll work harder to make sure that doesn't happen again, right? Are you somebody that comes in early to work or are you somebody that just comes in just on time and does just enough? All of those things as coaches, we watch, right? As we we coach our players and we decide who gets to play or what, you know, or who doesn't, who you can rely on during those times. Uh, those are the same lessons that, you know, the same things that you can apply when you have a job, right? And those are the same things that will help you get that promotion. Or maybe if there's some, you know, if someone needs to be laid off, you're not that person that's laid off because you know you're hard, you're hard worker. You've proven yourself to be a hard worker. You've proven yourself to be a great teammate. You've proven yourself, you know, to be selfless, but then willing to do, uh, you know, more than other people, right? Um, as coaches, that's what we look for in the players. And, and you know, all of those lessons that can apply them you know to their you know to their life after basketball and that's really what our job is as coaches as well well i think i think the the biggest takeaway from that is you did not 
mention a basketball term once. It wasn't it wasn't anything to do about X's and O's or making a basket or or doing any of that. It you know, and I think um, you know, in this day and age, it's important to help players realize that, right? Because you see a lot of instant gratification, whether it be on Twitter or social media or, or whatever, of oh, I did this move and this move, but a lot of those all those things you talked about, you know, go into making that move and making that, that, that skill before you even get, you get to basketball. So that, that that's, you know, I hope our, our listeners and, and people who listen realize that that wasn't just, this is a life thing. It's not necessarily a, a basketball thing. That was, that was an awesome, that was, that was awesome. Uh, so we want to go a little bit more basketball a year. We call this halftime adjustments. So you mentioned one, your familiarity with, the teams because you've been in the same general area coaching for a long time and then you just talked about you you lost to a team three times okay so you know you're playing one of those teams right uh you know you, you play a team a couple times in conference maybe three if you you know you're getting getting into playoffs and, and you go in and halftime of that second or third game and you you think okay you know you did your scout and they did this last time and this last time and we did this well last time um, and now maybe they've done something different or they made an adjustment back, back to you. Um, what are those conversations like with your, your coaches um, kind of, okay, let's pinpoint where they're going, what they're doing, and then translating that to your players to kind of say, Hey, this is what they're doing. This is how we're going to adjust to it. Yeah. So, you know, even during the game, so every, every um, coach on my staff has, you know, certain responsibility that they kind of look for, right? Like, obviously, one set of eyes cannot see everything, cannot adjust to everything. So obviously, it's always a team effort. I have an amazing staff. Um, I've been very fortunate that uh, in my four years at FDU, we had amazing assistant coaches and, and um, you know, and in this last year. So um, during the game, we have certain responsibilities, certain players, certain coaches are looking for certain things. Um, and we take notes during games, right? So even during the game, we can adjust to things at timeouts or, you know, there's a certain play that maybe we haven't really seen when scouting and um, they've been successful, right? Like you don't want to get beat on the same play twice, right? Uh, but at halftime, so when we go in, before we go into the locker room, um, we obviously, just like everybody else, we meet as a staff and and we just, you know, write down the, the immediate things that jump out on the defensive end that we need to get better with. It's, hey, they're, you know, um, you know, the easy things, right? Um, we've given up a lot of offensive rebounds. We got to box out. There's, you know, certain player, maybe a guard that, you know, is going in there and, and from the perimeter and she's getting a lot of these long rebounds, a lot of these loose ball rebounds. Um, so like the, the simple ones, right? And then we'll kind of move into... Um, more specific one on this particular play. This is what they're looking for. This is how we're going to change. If we have to change, you know, defending this ball, you know, this action. Um, so, and then the same thing on the offensive end. So as a, as a staff, we meet and and I, I want the feedback from uh, my assistant coaches. I think, um, you know, they have a lot of, a lot of great ideas and, and, and a lot of things. And, and obviously we, you know, when you have to adjust, you can't you can't give the team too many things to adjust <laughs> to because um, that's a lot. So you have to pinpoint the biggest ones. Um, and then, you know, year four for me, I was very fortunate that we had a player led team. Right. We had a lot of upperclassmen. And so a lot of times, you know, when we're going into the locker room at halftime, they they're already talking. They're already saying and, and I got to tell you, they were already saying a lot of the things that, you know, we were talking about. Um, 
So obviously you have to emphasize the things we do well, that we've done well, you know, they've gotten us to that point where, you know, maybe, you know, you know, like, for example, our defensive goal was always 24, you know, to give up 24 points at half. Right. So whenever we've given up more than 24, that was one of the first things we've talked about and why that didn't happen. Why wasn't our goal not, you know, uh, not met? Um you know, and then we just talk about the main concepts, you know, um, I mean, against, for example, against the Kurt Hart, they had a tremendous, tremendous uh, point guard who was freshman of the year, player of the year and defensive player of the year, all in all at the same time. So that tells you right there, she was pretty special, um, you know, and it was just a different way that we had to defend her, you know, so we had to talk about that. Um, it, it, it's really very different for every particular game, you know, but a lot of times it just comes down to simple things, you know, um, communicate better. Well, we have to rebound better when we take care of offensive rebounding. Um, surprise, surprise, you get that much less time that you have to spend on the defensive end, that much more time you get to spend on the offensive end. So, um, you know, it, it's, there's only so much you can adjust, but you have to address the biggest, the biggest things that, you know, we got burned on in the first half. So I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up a little bit. I mean, obviously, I, I, I know John's staff. I, you know, I I mean, Benedict, we have pretty good staff. You probably have a pretty uh, decent staff, right? You know, you have we have that luxury. But I want you to kind of boil it down to the simplest form. Maybe maybe you're, we got a lot of high school coaches that listen, and maybe they have just a varsity assistant, right? Or okay. an assistant that coaches the sophomore game and then has to come up with them to coach to go to that game if you were boiling it down for those coaches that maybe don't have a biggest staff what would be the you know they're looking at those things to make adjustments what would be the things the simplest things that you would look at to, to help your team make those adjustments throughout the game mm -hmm. so definitely I mean for us it was you know the main things you know were our transition defense if 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 a team is you know during you know if the if the team traditionally is a high transition team and then if it happens you know in, in the first quarter or whatnot or in the first half uh just really have an eyes on why are we not get, getting back what's happening are they leaking out a player you know um who do we have to send send back if we have to send back so that one was always one of the first things um i think defensively it would be you know, it just depends for every team. You know, some teams are motion type of offense, five out, right? Some teams run a lot of ball screens. So how are we defending if it's a team that runs a lot of ball screens and, and that's, you know, that's their strength. How, you know, we obviously know how to defend those ball screens prior to the game, but hey, are they are they burning us on those ball screens on our coverage, right? What do we have to change? So I would definitely say, you know, simplify um, because obviously there's only right, right one assistant coach and a head coach. Um, you can't have eyes everywhere. Um, but definitely I would say take notes because while you might see those things um, that as they're happening, when it gets to that, that timeout might not be happening until two, three minutes later. Right. And you might, you, you might have that information or, or what you just saw in that particular moment, it, it will, you know, it, it might slip. Um, you know, out of your mind when you have that timeout. So definitely have somebody take notes as they're happening. Um, you know, whether it's defending out of bounds, hey, you know, um, this is how they scored on. So you can address those things so you can communicate those things. So as we get into the second half of the show, um, Todd and I like to to say to our guests all the time, you know, we like to do our homework on our guests and 
So this is going to be my 10 second brag about coaches teams defensively. And then we're going to get into some questions about defense. Okay. Um, so obviously when you were at FDU, you know, your team statistically was one of the, the best defenses in the country. I believe last year you allowed 53.2 points a game. Um, and I think your shooting percentage against you is about 36 ish percent, which are both phenomenal coach. So, um, you know, I, I know as a coach, I would give all the credit to the players. So I know you're going to give all the credit to the players, but, um, I wanted to first hit on, you know, what are maybe for coaches out there, what are maybe two or three just of your main goals defensively? Mm -hmm. Um, before I answer that question, um, I really do believe in you get what you demand. So in practice, if you demand defense and if you demand excellence in that department, that's where you're going to be strong at. If you demand being a transition team on offense, you're going to be really good in transition, you know, in transition offense. So I really do believe in just you, you get what you demand, right? So we put a lot of emphasis on a defensive end. And and this past year, we are actually also the top team in scoring offense. So it just happened, you know, so girls had fun. They had fun. Uh, but defense is, I just really do believe that defense is just something that you can control. Um, no one is perfect. You know, no team is perfect. LeBron James is not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. And I just think that if we can decrease the amount of mistakes that happen on the defensive end, um, are we going to give up points? Yes. Are we going to give up offensive rebounds? Yes. Are we going to give up open shots? Yes. Are we going to, uh, you know, uh, are we going to have turnovers? Yes. But if we can decrease the amount of those mistakes that happen throughout the four quarters, now all of a sudden you're shedding 10 points, right? If you box out, or if you demand and practice to box out, you know, every single time. And 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 it has to be consistent, though. It has to be consistent. I really do believe you get what you demand. So you can't just demand boxing out, you know, two days uh, on Monday, Tuesday, because you feel like you didn't box out, you know, uh, on Saturday. And that's why you lost the game. That mindset has to be consistent. So I really do believe when, you know, when you demand those things on an everyday basis, you know, all of a sudden that becomes a part of you. That's how you develop those habits, right? Um, but I would say, uh, what was your question about the two things to pin so, pinpoints? So what are maybe like two or three things that you are like, those are your consistent demands defensively, whether uh -huh. you push corner, push middle, push, you know, whatever. So you're talking some tangible things. I'm yeah. I'm here to talk about intangible things. Um, I mean... Not giving up, it, it, understanding personnel. I think knowing who you're guarding. And I think we, you know, our, my staff and we do a tremendous job at breaking down, breaking that part down, but understanding personnel. Um, you, you close out to a driver a different way or to a non shooter a different way that you close out to a shooter. You know, we refer to players as, you know, that we're guarding, right? As a shooter, driver, and a scorer, right? Shooter is someone that's just a shooter. You know, that's a run through. You you want them to put the ball on the floor and make a decision, you know, pass one dribble. Um, a driver is someone that's just, we want them to shoot. We want to dare them to shoot the ball because they're so good at driving or they want to attack the basket. And then score is someone that can do both. So we put a lot of emphasis on that in practice when guarding each other. Um, so I would say that understanding personnel, um, help the helper mentality. Um, 
people are going to get beat as much as we put in a lot of time and effort in, you know, breakdown drills on a defensive end and the closeouts, keeping people in front. You know, that's why you play this game. That's why this game is so awesome. People are very talented on the offensive end, right? What happens after that, right? So help defense, help early, help often, and then help the helper mentality. What that means is um, how many times do you see, you know, when someone goes by a defensive player and then that player just stops and watches what happens next, right? Your job is not done. Someone is going to help you have that trust that help defense is going to be there, but then you have to drop, you have to be there to help somebody else. You know, everything is connected together. So I would say this, you know, help the helper mentality, help early, help often. Our philosophy is to give up. If we're going to give up something, we're going to give up a skip pass three because we helped. We're not going to give up a three to a three-point shooter, one pass away because we didn't pressure the ball um, or we weren't close enough, but you know, if there is a mismatch and we're supposed to be in help, we're gonna we're gonna give up a skip pass three. Um, so I would say those things. So I have an interesting communication, follow-up. communication and effort. These are the you know, communication is more of a tangible thing because you're talking. But I mean, effort has to be there and not you know, and not stopping because you know, um, and just always, 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 always pushing through and always being there for each other. So interesting follow up because I, I I strongly agree with something you said, which was, you know, you get what you demand. And, and I think, you know, you obviously demand, you know, the defensive end and the rebounding end, you know, but for a coach out there, how many things can we truly demand? Right. Because if I, if I'm saying I'm, there's only so many minutes in practice. So if I'm demanding these things on defense and demanding these things, rebounding or, you know, more in my team's case, demanding these things in transition, demanding these things in the press, you know, truly how many things in your mind can a coach demand? How many things can a team really be great at before it's just too many things? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, But I think also I'm a big believer of, you know, yeah, you're right. Because otherwise the whole practice would be spent on a defensive end. Um, But, you know, that, takes I mean that part you really drill in the preseason you know you know that type of you know mentality and like I said I said I said earlier like no one is going to be perfect we're not going to be perfect we're still going to make mistakes but I think as a coach you have to identify a difference you know was the mistake made you know but it was well intended and the effort was there or was there a lack of effort or lack of the things that we could control. So if we make a mistake because we didn't communicate and the other team scored, to me, that's something that is 100% in our control and it could have been avoided, you know? Um, so those are the things that you really focus on. 100% right. Like, you, you know, you, you can't really focus on too many things, but there's, you know, there's just certain things that are, you know, non-negotiables in our program. And, and that's the effort, that's communication. Um, because that I I think that is just, you know, and obviously you put them through a series of drills where you put them in those situations, right? Um, but uh, I just think that there are certain there are things that if we can control to minimize the number of mistakes, then that's what we're gonna, you know, that that that's what we're gonna we're going to demand. Um, and then over time that mentality kind of you know it becomes contagious right and then now all of a sudden and and then goes and and then also that that positive reinforcement i mean you know it's 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 one thing to demand it demand independent but if you're always demanding and it's not being rewarded then you always feel like you're a failure when you didn't do it right so i think it's a fine mixture of 
you obviously have to explain to them why you have to put them through different scenarios, different drills. But then as soon as something positive happens because they communicated, because they, you know, um, because they closed out properly, because they dropped, you stop practice and you make it look like it's they just won a championship, you know? And now all of a sudden they feel good about themselves. Not all of a sudden somebody else wants to do that because co coaches just stop practice, you know, everything like we keep um everything we do in practice, like we, you know, uh, we keep track of. And it has nothing to do with how many points they score, but it has everything to do with, you know, deflections, steals, charges, getting on loose balls, offensive rebounds, assists, like, you know, communicating. And we give points to our team and at the end to our players. And at the end of practice, you know, they're either positive or they're negative, right? Um, so there's times in practice where if I have a player who maybe was in the beginning tentative in taking charges, all of a sudden she took a charge. I'm gonna be the first one there and I'm gonna pick her up and I'm gonna give her 20 points for that. And the whole gym is gonna hear it, you know. So all of those things that I think we can do as coaches. You know, it's you demand in a different way now, right? You demand in a positive way too. And now all of a sudden, someone their teammate wants to do that too because they want to be in that position, you know. So um, no, I agree. I mean, you can't really, I mean, if you're too critical and, and too detail-oriented, um, you know, it becomes, you know, you would have to stop practice every single, you know, every single drill or I'm mean, sorry, every single possession. Um, but I think it's, you know, just to even give you an example of uh, we had one of our last workouts at um, at Iona. It was a last postseason workout, and um, they were. I think we were playing three on three full court, and it was a dead ball situation. And again, postseason, you know, you don't really dive into the defensive, you know, defensive details. But it was a situation where you know one player picked up a dribble outside of the, you know, outside of the three, and there was no ball pressure on the dead ball, and she was able to make a really easy lap pass to. Um, you know, to one of the guards who back cut. And I stopped him and I said, you know, listen, like that was a great offensive, you know, pass. Like that was a great offensive decision. But here's why she was able to do that. Because you, you, you know, you're being very nice on, in, on a dead ball. So I actually showed her, you know, this is how you should be. And I asked the player, you know, that was an offense. Which one bothered you more? You know, what your teammate did or what I did? And I really like got up her grill, like, face to face, um, you know, and she couldn't even pivot. And she's like the second one. So guess, so I was like, all right, so, so that's what we want to do. So then a couple of possessions after, you know, one of the other teammates did just that. And the result was a bad pass and it was a turnover, you know, and I stopped practice and I said, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Now being able to apply what the little, you know, little thing that we just fixed. Now we applied it to the next, you know, possession. Now all of a sudden the result is, you know, a bad pass or rush pass and a turnover. Is that going to happen every single time we do that? No, there's a lot of really good basketball players we're going to be playing against. People are going to stay composed. But hey, you know, if we can minimize the number of those situations or maximize the number of those situations when we do that, you know, then we're going in the right direction. Um, so you just talked about your, your kind of defensive, your goals and what you're trying to do. Um, so what are some of those defensive drills that maybe you, your core drills, right? You're doing them consistently. Obviously, closeouts is going to be one if you're talking about personnel, right? We got, we got to, I mean, that's usually a big one for coaches. But is there like something specific you do with your closeouts to kind of help your players 
grasp that concept? Is it a, is it the same drill or do you kind of mix up situations? Um, yeah, you know, so we how, have, how do you get them to kind of go into that? We have different closeout drills um, and we do those, um, especially in the preseason, you know, in October, even over the summer, we, we, you know, this is a new team I'm taking over. So um, I was able to see a little bit of their habits defensively. Um, you know, it, it, we have a lot of different drills. I mean, I'm a big believer of, I just think on a women's side, especially, you know, at this level, there's, you know, a lot of players can really shoot the three or they can get to the basket, but not a lot of players have the ability to be a really strong mid-range pull-up type, pull-up type of a player. So I'm a big believer of, you know, when you're closing out, obviously chop your feet and whatnot, left hand in the shooting packet. Most players are right-handed, obviously you, you switch it, but you know, um, it's it, it just playing defense with the purpose, right? So um, also understanding, you know, personnel and how they shoot. Some, even just something as simple as that can make a difference. Some, uh, you know, players shoot, their shooting pocket is from just from the outside, right? If you have your right hand right here, they're still shooting, you know? So the purpose of having that left hand in a shooting pocket you're still maintaining distance. You're not closing out so tight that they can go by you. Uh, but it puts that hesitation in their mind. Do I have a shot? Or do I have a drive? And we all know what happens when an offensive player hesitates on what they should do. Now, all of a sudden, percentage drops. So that's what we want to create. So that active hand in the shooting pocket, left acting, active hand in the shooting pocket is very important. And also our philosophy is... Um, defend the first two dribbles, you know, and beat them to the spot. So many players, so many players, you know, once the person, you know, puts the ball on the floor, they, they slide with them. No, where are they going? They go into the basket. So you got to sprint to the spot, get ahead of the ball. So we do a lot of those drills. These are especially freshmen. I mean, I've seen so many, you know, freshmen who struggle with, you know, and they're super athletic. You could, you, you know, you look at it like, there's no way this person gets beat, you know, as much as they can, as much as much as much as they, they get beat. And um, it's all about technique. So we break it down. Um, that part is very important, you know, get ahead of the ball. And if you have to sprint, you sprint. So we do drills. We do close our drills when you actually have to sprint to the spot. Um, and if our philosophy, if someone pulls up or takes a, takes a step back shot, but we're in front of them and our hand is up. To me, that's a contested shot. Uh, that's the shot we're going to give up. But we're not going to give up, you know, a straight line drive to the basket um, when it's something that we can control. So these are the drills we do. We do a lot of, I'm a big believer of um, doing a lot of one-on-ones, three-on-threes. Like the other day, we just did a three-on-three -three with FIBA rules. Awesome drill. I would encourage all the coaches to do it. Uh, one, it's a great conditioning drill without players realizing their conditioning. Um, and FIBA rules, it's basically you have 12 seconds to score. After offensive rebounds, you only have eight seconds to score. Uh, really not a lot of stoppage time. Um, you only kind of check the ball on a, you know, on a dead, on a dead ball. Um, and you play for like 10 minutes. And it gets intense. It gets intense. Um, and you obviously officiate it and whatnot, but um, a lot of three on three, because now all of a sudden, I mean, you really have to defend from a defensive end. It really works on your coverage one on one, because now you only have two players that help versus five on half, five on five. You have those two extra players, right. That can, uh, that can help you in the rotation, right. Three on three, you really, you take a lot, you have to take a lot more pride on the defensive end. Um, so, and from an offensive standpoint, everyone is forced to be a threat. 
you know, how many times does it happen when, you know, certain players are just not offensive threats, right? Um, and, you know, sometimes there's a reason why they're not, but in a three-on-three, when you have 12 seconds to score, you have to look at the basket. You have to be aggressive. So I love that drill. So I would encourage coaches to do a lot of three-on-three. You know, we do a lot of one-on-ones because, you you know, uh, that's when, you know, you can't rely on your help defense. So it's, it, you know, and everything that we do is competitive. So we keep track. And if you lose, you shoot foul shots. If you lose by five, you miss a foul shot, you might have to run, you know, whatever it is. So just also installing that hate to lose mentality. You know, I want my team to, you know, with my FDU team in a second part of the season, you know, I mean, we were winning, right? And in practice, it got to the point where I wasn't, you know, I had to remind them like, guys, like, don't get comfortable. Winning is not easy. Winning is hard. So even though like we won this drill or, or this team, you won this drill, you need to celebrate like you just won an actual game. Like don't take for granted that you just won this shooting drill. Don't take for granted that you just won this, you know, this three on three or five on five drill. Winning is not easy. You know, you celebrate every win like you just won a championship. So, so that's what I mean by like having energy in practice. Like I want, because guess what? If if we're on the same team and watching the other team and we just lost, okay, John Todd, we just lost a three on three and the other team just celebrated and like celebrated in our faces. I'm mad, I, you know, so the next opportunity we have to compete, I'm going to do everything I can, I can to beat them because I don't want to see them celebrate. I want to be the one celebrating. Now, all of a sudden, both of us are going harder. Now, all of a sudden, practices are harder and that's how we get better because now the sudden the level of competition is higher versus just going through the motions right so that's kind of what we do but we do you know a lot of those breakdowns one-on-one drills um we have a lot of different drills a lot of defensive drills that we do and and really five on five every drill that we do I mean, it's competitive. There's a winner, there's a loser. We we have what's so called like, and especially when we're preparing for the opponent, we have what's it called four stops in a row, and we would do it against each other, or we had a scout squad. And you 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 don't you you don't play offense, you just play defense, and you get points on on a defensive end. And then your goal is to have four stops in a row. You get four stops in a row, you get ten points on defense. You accumulate points on defense as well through deflection, steals, and and things like charges, things like that. Uh, but the other team accumulates points on, you know, a scoring and offensive rebounds as well. But the second you foul, whether it's on the ball, I mean, on the floor or shooting foul, the second you give up an offensive rebound, offensive rebound, um, the you know the four in a row, it it goes back to zero. So you have a certain amount of time. So it just really kind of teaches you that mentality on on getting the job done on defense. You know, because I'm a big believer of, you know, there's gonna be days as a team and as an individual that your shot just doesn't go in. It just, it just happens, right? But that should never affect your mentality and your defensive mindset and what you do and how hard you play on defense, you know, because you can still be in games, not shooting well or shooting on the 30%, um, you know, if you play defense, you know, and if you get stops, but if you don't play defense and don't shoot well, like you don't have a chance, you know? Mm-hmm. So everything we do, it's that mentality. Um, so we have those, I mean, we have a lot of, a lot of defensive drills. We have some toughness drills, you know, with our players, we put our players through, you know, kind of like, a uh, some, uh, it's funny when, when I, the FDU girls, when they, um, you know, after I told them they came up to the office afterwards and 
they were telling us, they were telling me about, you know, all the drills that coach, you have to make sure that at Iona, you're going to do these drills. These are the drills we hated, but you're going to have to do those drills because they were so good and, and they helped us. So we have a lot of like toughness drills as well, just putting players through, you know, just being able to defend multiple actions at the same time, um, you know, a, a down screen, flare screen, right into ball screen, right into a pin down, and then into one on one. So it's not just you know defending one on one, but before all of that happens, they're defending all of these actions. You know, um, we have a drill when we call it a pinball drill, where they just have to chase. You know, there's four screeners and there's offense, there's defense, and you have to fight through all of the screens without giving up a wide open shot. There's no shot taken. You only get points if an offensive player catches the ball and looks like they're ready. To, they would be open for a shot, but it's a thirty second. You know um high intensity type of a drill and and you know it just teaches you I, i'm a big believer of putting players in situations in practice that they would be facing in game right um so a lot of drills like that too we have drills where there's no scoring and you get points by how much you talk on defense you know if you don't talk on defense offense gets points you know so it teaches you the importance of communication the more you talk the more points you get your team and and we do those on a pretty um consistent basis in practice so we wanted to get into our last two segments the first we call 30 second timeout um it's it's a your platform to kind of talk about whatever you want it can be about you or your family or iona or something you want your listeners to know about um or you could turn the tables and ask todd and i a question um, whatever, whatever you want to talk about, it's a very rough 30 seconds. It's, it's uh -huh. the referee in your huddle telling you to get out, get out. So, uh, the floor is kind of yours. Yeah. No. So I want to ask you guys, what are your thoughts on like, just what's happening the last couple of years with the transfer portal and mm -hmm. all of that? I, I would love to get your guys thoughts. Like, do you think it's a good thing, bad thing? Do you think like, um, the decisions that are being made are good decisions or, you know, cause it, it has kind of turned on both sides, the men's and women's side. Um, I mean, I would love to get your guys thoughts on that. Go ahead, Todd, you deal with it more than I do. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think, I think it can be a good thing in terms of, uh, of teams, you know, especially at the college level getting better quicker. Um, cause you have, you have proven players. I think it'd be a good thing for, for high school players that really want to play to kind of realize, Hey, you know, like maybe they didn't get recruited as much cause they're getting these transfer So now, you know, I really have to work and, and be at this level, but I also think there's a lot of people that maybe get bad advice, um, don't have the support system that they need to, um, make that decision for them because if you look at the numbers right i mean i don't remember where it was but there was a good percentage of kids who don't even end up playing or or you know they don't they don't get a spot spot back which which is un, which is unfortunate so i i think i think it can be good and bad bad both ways um you know i think it's definitely affecting high school high school players um 100%. you know i even even just looking at it like okay i can get this fourth year senior in that has two years left that I know is really good, uh, that I could can rely on. Um, you know, as a freshman, you got to be really, really good and, and and excel to to one get playing time. Right, not that they're going to take freshmen, but two, you know, 
even get get that spot. So I think there's some good things to it. I think there's some bad things to it. But I think the biggest thing is the the, the kids having the support system to really make that good decision. And I, I think with all the coaching changes too, that you know that puts kids in a bad spot. <laughs> you know, it put it puts kids in a bad spot because coaches you hear it all the time. We're coming in and say, well, these are the kind of players we want, or I'm bringing in my own guys. Uh, this this that and this that and the other so i i think it's a tough situation there's probably i'm not smart enough to know there's probably something we can do to kind of tweak it or 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 create something you know even like the the nfl draft right they have an nba right they have people who hey i can enter my name and give advice so maybe there's something we could do as far as that where you know kind of evaluating their skills i i, I don't know how the best way to go about it uh-huh. but um i i think you know, it, it's good for some, but at, at times, like you said, the, the adversity part, I think that probably has something to do with it too, of not, okay, I, I wasn't playing right away. Well, maybe if I stay one more year and work my tail off, I, I could play, you know, I don't know. I, it's it's a whole compli- complicated think, issue. Yeah. And I think the last couple of years, because, you know, the COVID year, I think it's also added, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a big, big uh, factor to it too, because now all of a sudden you have... You know, in the past, like, why did you transfer in the past? One, you wanted some playing time, more playing time. You just realized I'm always going to be behind, you know, these two players. Uh, they're a year, year older than me and they're first team all conference, second team all conference, you know, or two, it's a toxic situation. You just need to, you right. know, you just need to leave, right? Or coaches leave and whatnot. Um, and, you know, I think these are good reasons, right, to leave, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I obviously, you don't want to be in a situation where you're miserable. I don't think that's, you know, no. but I think that COVID year, um, because now think about this, you have when like five years ago, did you ever hear, did you hear of a lot of juniors going to be seniors leaving if they only had one year? They okay. don't because it's just, it's one year. I'm going to get my degree from this school. Now these players have two years, you know? So now this is a big number of players that are kind of jumping, Right. Because they can, you know, you see a lot of a lot of good, really good players that I know played for really good coaches, good programs, and they're jumping in a portal because they can. And you mentioned that, you know, that sometimes not the best advice from their circle. Um, And then you have obviously grad transfers, but that's, you know, I think I think when you transfer as a grad transfer and I think when you where you've been somewhere for four years. I think that that's okay. I think you could, you can do that. I mean, I yeah, think you kind of earn that. You kind of earn that right. To... Yeah. Like I had a player at FDU graduated two years ago and she stayed for her fifth year. And she said, coach, like, I want to be a knight. I, I love everything that you're doing. I don't want to go anywhere else. And and she, she could have gone as a grad transfer to other places. She stayed her fifth year. She was first team all conference player of the year in a conference, you know, but then I've had other players who just wanted to experience something else because they can you know, and that's the part that, you know, I think some coaches are struggling with because, you know, we as coaches, we want to believe that, you know, this is the best place for you. And, and you know, we know who you are and, and you're established here. And, and now you have a lot of players that leave because they can, you know, and, you know, unfortunately, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And you hate when it happens to, especially because, you know, if it's, you hate when it happens to you know players but you see it way too often where they they think that they're gonna have something better somewhere else and it doesn't work out and for some it does work out so um but you're right it's 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 certainly i think the advice there is sometimes um you question the people that they listen to sometimes 
Yeah, and I think I would add, you know, I think one is the idea of freedom of movement. Is that a good idea? Yes. In most walks of life, you're going to have freedom of movement. Yes. The one thing I would add, though, and, and maybe a, a fact that, you know, maybe isn't understood, but as the collegiate level seems to be getting a little bit more and more professionalized with Transfer Portal, with NIL, with those things, it's almost a forcing in a way the high school level to become more of the collegiate level now with sometimes higher expectations than resources match um, and, and you're seeing at least in Illinois you, Todd and I are seeing a lot of coaches leave the profession very very quickly for lots of reasons don't get me wrong for family reasons and lots of reasons and time commitments and everybody in this is conversation could understand the time commitments but there's also a level of pressure and and kids are transferring at the high school level now and kids are transferring and leaving their AAU program one weekend and playing on another AAU program the next weekend and so I think it, it's also a lot for a high school coach to have to handle and go through and you know when their players are now leaving and their expectations are high and and even in the high school level now, just like the college level, it's becoming, what have you done for me lately? Like, that's great. You had a last great two years, three years, but, oh, your last two years weren't very good. It's time to find another coach. So I think an element that maybe is under talked about is as the collegiate game becomes more professionalized, the high school game is becoming more collegiate, if that makes sense. I agree with you 100%. And, and it's almost like now, especially like, you know, at MDU, this was a lower level division one, right? So we often recruited players who we were their only one division one offer, or they had very few. So <laughs> this is, this is unfortunately what now happens. And you, and, and I know it happens on every level and it's all relative AAU as well, high school as well. Okay. So we got those players. We worked with them for two years. We got them really, really good. And now all of a sudden, their first team, second team, all conference. Now all of a sudden, and I know it's happened because it's happened to me. I'm hearing, you know, I'm hearing some talks about like, hey, like if you come here, you know, this is like, you, you know, this is a lower level. You can come and 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 play at a higher at a higher level, and you can experience the NIL. You can experience this and this. So essentially unfortunately what it's becoming it's like it's like a free agency you know it's almost like like i'm a i'm a type of a coach that like you know culture is very very important so i don't like a lot of changes right because i think to develop a good healthy culture you need that consistency right you can't just have turnover every year right um same thing like consistency in 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 in, in your assistant coaches you can't have them leave right and left every year because how do you you know right same thing on a team and and now when you look at programs, when you have those, you know, mass, you know, exits, you can't really judge now, oh, something must be going on there. That coach must be, you know, a little crazy. You can't even make that, you know, assumption now because that's that might not be the case. They're yeah. just leaving because they can, you know. So it's almost like you're right. It, 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 you have to change as a coach. And, and some coaches are just like when I was talking to a coach from a higher level and he said, Ange, like, you know, because it's all relative to the level. But he said, Ange, like, we're talking to this transfer and she's not even our, like, top transfer. And the first thing that comes out of her, mind, her mouth is uh, this other school is offering me $40,000, you know, in NILDs. What can you do for me? And it's just like, like, th these are the conversations that 
the recruits are having now. And it's just so different than what it has been for the last, you know, since I've been a coach. So I think as a coach, you either adjust to it, uh, not to the point that, you know, that's all, all you do, but you have to adjust to it or you have to get out because it's just, it's changing. The times are changing. And, and, and you know, and I think the best coaches do adjust. You know, you have to adjust, you have to adapt. Um, you know, you have to accept certain things and, and kind of, you know, get in with the game. All right. So let's move on to our last seven quick hitters, kind of rapid fire questions. Uh, some, some about ball, some about not, you know, it's not, um, sometimes this is where it goes off the rails <laughs> a little bit, just kind of gets fun. Um, first one for you, uh, uh, maybe a new defensive concept you're looking at or, or something new defensively you might want to do. Um, We've been a very much a man-to-man type of a um, you know t- a team. Um, maybe just picking up a really good zone just to mix it up. So definitely something that I'm looking into. Um, not really particular about you know whether it's a two-three, you know one, uh, one-three-one or three-two. Just just that's kind of this summer um, or this postseason what I'm gonna be looking at. Um, just kind of having that in your packet to mix it up. So you don't you don't have to stay in college basketball. It could be any jersey in professional college sports that you just like. You're like, that's a good looking jersey that a team wears. Huh. I'm a Laker fan. Okay. That's a good because show. of LeBron. So I feel like yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're right. You're going on vacation. Are you going to like a big, big city, big area, or a secluded spot for your vacation? Oh boy! So now that my kids are older, uh, <laughs> um, I would say if we were going to Europe, I would want to go to a big touristy spot because I would want to visit. You know, um, it, it, there's just so much history. So I would want that. And my kids are older now. I think they'll be able to understand that. But if we're going to, if we're not going to Europe, definitely a secluded area, some like vacation spot where we can just, you know, pool, beach, things like that, just relax. So it just depends on where we're going. Are you a text person or a phone call person? Um, I think I do both. I do have a hard time getting off the phone when I do get off the phone. Um, so I have to do a better job of just kind of like, okay, this conversation should be done right now. Um, I do both. I do both. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it just depends what kind of conversation. I think there's, you know, a lot of things that could, you know, that can get misread in a text message. So definitely in person, ideal is in person and then, uh, call. All right. Uh, an interesting food combination you enjoy something different. Oh boy. Okay. Okay, this is gonna sound a little weird, but right. it stayed with me. When I was pregnant with Daniel, with my little one, he's eight, I've really gotten to like scrambled eggs with bacon and then add mustard on the side. Oh. And it stayed with me. Okay. And I don't know why people look at me every time, hmm. you know, when we're traveling and we're having scrambled eggs and some bacon. I always ask for mustard. Ketchup is always there. Mustard is never there. People look at me. It's like, well, bacon is meat. You know, we eat hot dogs with it's mustard true. too. 
Yeah. So yes, yeah, so that would be, I don't know, just a little kick. Yeah. Okay. I want to, I want to change this last one only because, you know, you of your Polish, Polish heritage um, and, and growing up in Poland, maybe what is the thing you miss most about Poland? That's my last one. Everything is close. Um, you know, where I was born and raised, because I didn't leave until I was I graduated high school. Um, pretty much everything um was close. Like you did everything on foot, you know, like you walked 30 minutes to school. That was totally unacceptable. I feel like here if I told somebody I was walking 30 minutes to school to to work, they would look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> um but I would say, I would say, you know, that, um, although I'm used to the distance now, but um, food, we do a lot of home cooking. That's Polish. Um, been very fortunate in this area. Um, you know, about 20, 30 minutes away, there's some, you know, Polish neighborhoods that have Polish stores. So we do go shopping for Polish food. So we were very fortunate. Um, but I would say, you know, I would say the traditional food as well, because you don't get to as a coach, you just don't have time to spend that much time in a kitchen. So uh, I would say the traditional food. So coach, uh, we know you've had a lot of changes in your life lately, but thank you for jumping on in our episode today. We really appreciated your time. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate and and I'm grateful that you guys, you know, wanted to me, wanted me to be on the show. I appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast in concert with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association. Please remember to give us a five-star rating wherever you may listen. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at After the Timeout and subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening.